With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. Good morning and welcome to episode 77 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, part of Pinstripe Alley. It's time for the post-mortem. Now that the season's over, we've heard from Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner in their end-of-season press conferences and more of the same. Another, Another year where the Yankees fall short, another year where the Yankees... Went into the playoffs not looking like the best team in the league and losing to the best team in the league, which you can argue has happened every year since 2017. So, Sean, I mean, obviously it's been almost a week since since the season ended, but what was what was your reaction to the another painful another painful ending to the to the postseason this time losing? In probably the worst way possible, just given the fact, given what happened with Brasso earlier in the year and Chapman, and so of course he takes him deep to lose a winner-take-all game. I mean that really doesn't bother. That part doesn't really bother me. I definitely thought last year was the worst way possible in game set. Like you're one game away from, well, not two games away from the World Series. You just tie the game and Chapman gives up the homer to Altuve, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it sucked. I mean, but whatever. That's baseball, man. Sometimes you could. Sometimes baseball just creates poetry. And for Brousseau and the Tampa Bay Rays, that's some poetry for them with what happened in that game. And I know I was a little bit more critical of that event when it happened than most Yankee fans. Like, just sometimes you just wake up the wrong person. Even you know, even if he didn't throw at him on purpose with the stare and everything, they were fired up, and you could see it. And it meant a lot to them to, to have that. So it doesn't bother me it, it, that that's the way it happened uh, with Brasso. But it's another year where 
Chapman gives up a, uh, a season ending home run basically. And I think he's the first guy to ever do that in back to back years. So congratulations to him on setting that record. Um, but yeah, I mean, it stinks. And, and I, you know, like we were texting about pretty much the day after it happened, it's hard to blame any player or players in this when they go in as underdogs and, I mean, in 2017, 2018, and 2019, and it looks like in 2020, they lose to the um, American League representative in, in the World Series. And it, they lose to the team that looks like the best on paper in the American League. And for the Yankees not to at least put their best foot forward four years in a row, it's frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I, a lot of people I've talked to are just complaining and pointing to uh, you know the three hits in Game 5, which, of course, is frustrating, but that was also a Game 5 where the Rays threw out all their best relievers, part of the best relief core in, in the league, and they're really tough to hit. And, and know, how many hits did the Rays have in that game? Three? Yeah, exactly. You had You had – you got into a situation where it was tied in the eighth inning. It's hard hard to ask for much more against against the Rays when they're throwing out their best guys. And this is a Yankee offense that scored, you know, thirty one runs through their first three postseason games. You're really going to start complaining about about the offense in a playoff series. There are going to be games when the offense is struggling against really good pitching because you see a lot of really good pitching in the playoffs. And, and they just, score, yeah. They, they scored over four runs in every game in the series except that one, right? They, they only yeah. scored four in game three, but they scored five in games two and four, I think. Yeah. So so the offense was, was getting it done all series. Obviously just not in game five, but again, they were facing the best pitching staff in the league. And then Chapman gives up another big home run. He's given up probably three of the biggest postseason home runs since 2016, if you also include the Rajai Davis home run. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Is this is this kind of the universe's version of payback after getting to watch Mariano Rivera for 20 years? I don't know. But uh, Chapman certainly has shown a knack for giving up big postseason home runs. That's yeah, that that's for sure. Um, but I mean, you know, the Yankees kind of put themselves in, in in that position. You expect him to get his job done, but he had thrown over an inning the night before. That he was already on his second inning tonight. Tommy Canley injury really hurt the Yankees in this series. The and I think I think. It's not so much the injuries that hurt the Yankees this series, but it's also the failure to address them. I mean, you went into the season in spring training. If the Yankees have Luis Severino and or even one of Luis Severino or James Paxton at their healthiest, the Yankees probably win this series. Because, And we'll get into the shenanigans in game two. But then in game two, you just play it straight up Paxton or Severino against glass now and that's a game where the Yankees scored five runs four in the first four innings I believe or or five innings you'd expect to win that game with one of those guys if they're healthy on the mound but the Yankees didn't make any moves to improve their bullpen they didn't make any moves to improve their starting rotation even after they knew they those guys were out so I I think you go in and you know you're the underdog you try to get cute you try to 
you know, split up innings between Britton and Chapman and, and, and green, because you know, you don't trust Adovino. You don't have Canely. Uh, you don't have a reliable number two starter. Um, and I mean, you know, everybody was saying going in, the Yankees have to win every single game where Garrett Cole pitches. Well, sometimes when Garrett Cole matches up against the other team's best, even you give up one run, which is excellent in the postseason, you're, you're going to lose that game. And Garrett Cole did his job, but nobody else really in that series um, in terms of pitching staff, except for Jordan Montgomery, held up their end of the bargain. But they're also not the guys that you would expect to, you know what I mean, except for Tanaka. Yeah, no. I, like you said, like you said in the beginning, is are, is exactly my feelings on the series. Is I don't really put any blame on the guys on the field that pushed the Rays to a game five and a tie game in the eighth inning in game five. It's it's the people that had the power to make this team a, a favorite to get to the World Series and. You mentioned the Severino and the Canely injuries. Well, those all happened before the trade deadline. So all you had to do was go out and get one one starter or one reliever. Go get a Lance Lynn or a Trevor Rosenthal. Literally anybody. Anyone that could have been a capable arm that could have been another piece to put in, not just... I mean, if it, more than anything else, to like you said, so you didn't have to stretch your best arms so thin, and that's certainly a contributor to probably what happened to Chapman. I mean, his I think that home run to Brasso was 97 miles an hour, which is not obviously not his fastest, but he was you know already coming up on a pretty heavy workload over the past two nights. So when you don't. When you have such a low amount of reliable arms, you stretch your reliable arms thin to the point where they become un- unreliable. And the Yankees, this is the second year in a row where they had some clear needs and just didn't address them at the trade deadline and just preached, well, oh, getting these people back from injuries will be like an addition in itself. But you can't count on that. Paxton wound up not being able to come back. You knew you knew Canley wasn't coming back. You knew Severino wasn't coming back. So the Yankees really needed to add pieces at the trade deadline if they really were 100% committed to going all in. And then after the deadline you hear Cashman say, "Oh, the you know, the the prices were too high. We didn't see anything that we felt like could have changed the outlook for us." Well, all it really you can tell by this series, all you really needed was one more arm, and that could have changed the whole series. So, I kind of put that on on ownership and not wanting to go out and and add pieces and potentially change the uh, the dynamic of this series when it looked like it would have only taken one or two additions. Yeah, I I agree, and it kind of it's weird to see Tampa just you know thump. Uh, Houston. I mean, that's been a weird series, um, but you know, you kind of feel like oh, if we had gotten by, things probably would be a lot different, and we'd we'd be the ones rolling. But yeah, that that's what makes it all the more painful. I definitely thought these were the two best teams in the American League after watching the first round, um, and just really understanding how superior the American League East was in the American League uh, to the other divisions. But um, yeah, it's it's another year where you just 
the Yankees, the Yankees had to win as, as an underdog and, and they did. And they tried to win as an underdog by doing the, the, after they get a, you know, game one's awesome. And then game two, you try all this tomfoolery and I don't, I hate when they try new things in the postseason. I hate it. Like, especially with an old guy like Jay Happ, who you know is pretty cranky as it is. I'm sorry if he's not bought in. You're, you haven't really asked him to do this. Like, in a, you know what I mean? Like, he, what, he, he did the bulk thing against Tampa once a year and a half or a year ago, and you're asking him to do this in the postseason? I think that's kind of tough for a, an older pitcher. And did you hear, I think in the press conference, Cashman was talking about like, oh, well, in 2008, he pitched out of the bullpen against yeah. Tampa. Like, bro, come on. He's a totally different pitcher. And I'm not defending Jay Happ's performance. It was pitiful. But I, I think you just have to be a little bit realistic about who you have and everything like that. And um, it, it wasn't good. No. Well, Cashman was pointing to the fact that Happ's had 15 playoff appearances and only four have been as a starter. Um uh, a lot of people have way more problems with the game two decision than I do, and I think I actually think Hal Steinbrenner made a good made the point that I kind of always return to, and the fact that it was a decision that banked on the people that involved in the decision doing their job, like Hap, and he didn't. Like, I just don't. Obviously, players are such creatures of routine uh-huh. and, I, and i get that but i mean if you already knew that that was the plan i'm sure hap was already ready to come in and pitch it just came down to the fact that that plan doesn't work unless the next pitcher coming in is good and hap wasn't good and is that is that really that surprising like do i do i really believe that hap would have been even more effective if he just started the game and everyone knew he was starting so he went up against a bunch of righties instead but still got to go through a normal starting pitching routine i don't have any confidence in that hap had you know a good stretch this season but he's also had stretches since the playoffs in 2018 where he's just been terrible so i I really don't have any confidence that it would have been that much different. And I think it just comes down to the fact that the Yankees felt like they had to get creative because outside of Garrett Cole and Tanaka, who was going game three, they had no starter that they had any faith in. And that, again, goes back to a problem where maybe you should have went out and got somebody. So I I just don't – I don't blame it on making that decision. I get the – thinking behind that decision you want Boone to face or you want Hap to face a bunch of lefties but it just comes down to the fact that the Yankees didn't have any other starters that they had any faith in now do you, well one the plan was ridiculous <laughs> the plan was ridiculously executed by Hap because he walked about all three lefty hitter they yeah, had yeah exactly it was um, terrible what about sticking with Debbie how would you have felt if they did that in that kind of game because honestly I thought with Garcia's changeup, he, he kind of presents a good matchup against left-handed hitters. And he had also I, given I, up a home run already. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what's his name was unconscious. Um, Rosarena, he hit a Rosarena last night. Yeah, he he was unconscious, and that's fine with me. And he only gave him one. Happy gave him about thirteen. <laughs> well, so, of course, he also uh, only faced four hitters. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, but I, I, you know what? I, I would have rather just run out with with Debbie in that situ- situation and and he had he had pitched a lot of big games for the Yankees and uh with with success and I know he got hit around pretty bad at Fenway but other than that he 
had a great year and I would have just rather seen him get a shot. Um, it was, you know what, like I know because he's left-handed, you didn't want to do this, but they do give Montgomery the chance to have like a real start. And, and, you know, he gets himself out of trouble. I I said it before, he's got a lot of that Andy Pettit thing where watching him makes you kind of sick, but he gets out of a lot of jams. Um, but it's interesting. They gave him the chance to have a regular start, probably out of necessity and not Debbie. So I, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but again, if the Yankees take care of business in game three with Tanaka on the mound, it's a different story. If Hap does his job, it's a different story. But I just think that, um, you know what, they didn't, we, we can talk about it. Was it a good strategy or not? I think it was a bad strategy. Uh, Hap should have done his job though. But the bottom line is they shouldn't have had to do this strategy. They're the Yankees. They should like the Rays are smarter than the Yankees. They are more intelligent, but the Yankees have more money. So you, we need to use what your strength is in order to build the best team and not try to end like the race can't go out and try to sign a bunch of free agents. It won't work for them. The Yankees can do that and they should do that. And rather than do that, they've tried to nickel and dime their way into being the best team, I guess, or just saying, Hey, we tried, you know, and it was interesting to me listening to the, you know, the Steinbrenner was on Michael K show and then the, the press conferences with Boone and Cashman yesterday. But Steinbrenner said the season was a failure. They didn't even come close to the World Series. Cashman also indicated that it wasn't a success. But Boone was saying, oh, I know we're close. So it's like the guy that you want to say uh, is not close to saying that in in Steinbrenner. But are they going to – he's also saying, you know, that the pandemic might affect our finances. Well, what are you going to do then? What are you going to – like what's the plan then? Yeah, I love how they're already setting us up, saying that, oh, we've probably lost more money than any other team in the league. Well, you probably still have way more money than any other team in the league anyway. Exactly. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, the the other thing from this year, I I thought the Montgomery game was awesome, but I was really sad about the way uh, Tanaka's game went. I was really feeling good about him. Um, yeah, pitch, pitching in ideal situation, right? Like I had the bad start in Buffalo and then he had the bad start in Cleveland, but there was a lot of other factors going on in that game, but, um, he was very ineffective in game, game three. Yeah. I just, you know, I hope that's not how his Yankee career ends. I mean, given the way the rotation looks, you probably should try to bring him back. Um, but yeah, that was, that was disappointing. You feel like you kind of had, um, another bullet in the chamber with playoff Tanaka, having him and, and Garrett Cole made you feel like the Yankees had a chance to get through a short series with Tampa. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, if, if Tanaka does his job, maybe the Yankees do win this series. But I guess, I guess you can't pitch like, you know, playoff Cliff Lee for your whole postseason career. So I guess Tanaka was, was due for some clunkers. And then you saw that one in Cleveland, and you assumed that the, you know, the start and stop and the pouring rain had something to do with it. But uh, he certainly, certainly struggled in Game Three, which was difficult to see. And it makes you wonder if that is the last you've seen of Tanaka in in pinstripes. And if it is, he's more than earned all of that 155 million. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter, and that's always the worst gauge of any kind of human interaction. Always find good, good thoughts on there. 
Yeah, saying that, um, you know, maybe it's time to cut bait, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he lived up to his contract, and I'm not going to judge his body of work on two playoff starts no. in this odd season. Um, yeah, it's, you know, was it going to level out with Tanaka eventually in the postseason? Probably. I mean, El Duque had, you know, I remember one start when we were younger, El Duque got absolutely rocked. In, in the postseason, that that stuff happens, man. I mean, Andy Pettit had some clunkers in the postseason too, but the guy's a legend. Andy anyway. Pettit's had some of the worst playoff clunkers in our lifetime, and he's still considered to be a big game pitcher. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. And you know, he has pitched some big games, but I mean, you know, everybody. I know he was tipping his pitches, but yeah, Yankees have a chance to win the World Series, and he goes out and gives up like fifteen runs and. In Arizona. Even in games where he wasn't apparently tipping his pitches, you look at the 98 ALCS and the 96 in World Series. World series. Even, so, even 99 World Series Game 3, he did not pitch well, but the Yankees came back off Glavin in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I'm not going to judge him on those starts. He was very solid this year. He's a solid starting pitcher. And, you know, people complain about Sonny Gray and Hap and handling New York and, 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 all, and, and all this. You know Tanaka can do all these things. He's only 31 years old. If Tanaka will take like four years, $100 million, I'd give it to him in a second. The Yankees might have to hand out two four-year $100 million contracts this year. Yeah, who's the other one? LeVayhu. Yeah. So, um, but I, I mean, like just sticking with the rotation – if you don't bring down Tanaka, what are you going to do? Because you're not – Paxson's not under contract. Severino's not going to be back till July. Um, they're they're going to go Cole, Garcia, Montgomery, Michael King. They're going to say Michael King has been really impressive. See, this is what I want. If Bauer really wants to take a one-year deal, there is no reason – for you not to give him a contract. None. There's no long-term commitment for you not to give Trevor Bauer a contract. I understand him and Garrett Cole have had their differences. So did Jeter and A-Rod. They won a world championship together. They were the best team in the American League several times together. Didn't always work out in the postseason, but whatever. Trevor uh, Trevor Bauer tweeted yesterday that that's all fake and that him and Garrett Cole have no problems. Even if they do. You know what? (laughs) Garrett Cole seems like a very intelligent guy. Like watching him in the postseason, you saw how good he is, but you saw how smart he is too, the way he attacked hitters. Seems like an intelligent guy. He seems very much a team guy. He'll he'll deal with it. But there's no reason not to get Trevor Bauer. If it's a one-year deal, it's not a long-term financial commitment. Go ahead and get him. Then you have Cole Bauer and then re-sign Tanaka. Okay, now we're talking. Now you don't have a bunch of black, you know, a bunch of black holes in the rotation. I'd really ideal situation just have Devi one spot in the rotation for Devi Montgomery and whoever else wants to compete for that spot. Maybe Domingo Herman. I don't know. They talked about him. It's probably realistic that he'll be back. The Yankees aren't going to magically say, "Oh yeah, we don't think he's a really good guy, so we're not going to bring him back." I find that whole thing a little bit weird too, by the way, because they signed Cashman after everything. I mean, they signed Chapman after everything. So, well, yeah, they took advantage of that situation, traded for him for peanuts. Yeah, I'd have one spot reserved for the kids, and um, you know the injuries will happen, and more will open up. But I think signing Bauer and re-signing Tanaka is is probably my way to go to fix the rotation. Yeah, that would certainly make you feel better, especially in a short series, having those those three leading the way in a five game series. And and if it you get to the postseason, you'll have Severino back. Yep. So, but yeah, I don't um, know. 
Cashman also said they haven't made a decision yet on Britain's option, but that kind of feels like a no-brainer to me. That contract's really worked out because Britain's been great. Yeah, why would you not make a decision yet? Yeah, I don't know. And especially because nobody was hurt, right? The only only Voigt had the MRI in his foot. Everybody else was healthy, um, so we were good to go. Yeah, God, can we talk for a second about the fact that Luke Voigt played pretty much this whole season with plantar fasciitis and led the league in home runs? That's That's absurd. Yeah, that's uh... – that foot stuff, huh? I, yeah. I got to get me some of that if that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, Voight, Voight was awesome this year. And that's – like I've seen a lot of people online talking about, okay, the Yankees need to reconfigure the lineup. Maybe they trade Luke Voight or something like that. I think Voight is Jesus. 100% a guy you keep. Like, you know, I was texting with you. Maybe you move for a guy like Gio. Like you're – I love Gio. He's probably my favorite of the infield. But he's also your, your worst bat on the infield, which is – for Gio, that's saying not saying much because Gio's been awesome. But if you if you really want to diversify your lineup, I would not move on from Boyd. I would not move on from Glaber Torres, uh, which Joel Sherman wrote. And I, I, you know, I think, dude, except for when he was hurt, Luke Boyd has been not an all star but a superstar, like Hall of Fame level player. Other than when he had his core injury, yeah, and he's also not a uh, free agent until what twenty twenty two. I think, and why, yeah, why would you why would you move on from Luke Voigt? Luke Voigt's the uh, Luke Voigt's the best first baseman in the in the American League. He's not a free agent until twenty twenty five. Yeah, twenty twenty five. Yeah, no way. And Gio Urshela isn't until twenty. 20- 2024 so he's not he's not arbitration eligible until 2021 so i don't think they're moving on from him either what if what if you could trade uh geo for lindor straight up would you do it well yeah maybe cleveland has some regrets (laughs) they they saw him hit the grand slam in game two this year and they're like all right let's get him back whatever it takes it is time to go back um (laughs) I mean, I, I personally, like, you know, for the rotation, I think it's an easy question. But I think the how to fix the lineup, and when I say fix, I just mean the first yeah, why Yeah, why do we feel like the lineup needs fixing? They scored 12 runs. They scored 12 runs off Bieber and scored another 10 the next day. They scored nine against the Rays in game one. I mean, I feel like we look at one game five where, again, everyone threw all literally their best pitchers. It was a great tie game, 1-1 in the eighth inning. Sometimes the offense just can't get that big home run with runners on. It's going to happen in a playoff series. Unfortunately, it just came in an elimination game. Do, do oh, I, really? I, hmm? I agree with you there, but I'm also looking at the whole body of work this season. The team was extremely inconsistent. Because they were extremely and, hurt. I mean, they've got health. The lineup itself got healthy by the end of the season. And then they started raking in the playoffs. They just didn't get it done in one game. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would like to fix – I think the infield needs help because I don't think Labor Torres is – Yeah, defensively, not offensively. So then you need to make a move if defensively is a problem because you can, you, if you move – all right, so you can play LeMay anywhere but short, unfortunately. It'd be great if you could play him at short. So then you have to move either you – ha- you have to move somebody to put Torres at second. Because then LeMahieu can fill into the other spot. You're not going to move Torres. You're not going to move Voight. You're going to move Gio and bring in a real shortstop. Yeah, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I, just, I don't see it happening. I don't think the Yankees are. I don't. I think Gleyber Torres is the opening day shortstop, and they're well, probably just going to try to work with him. And theoretically, if it's his natural position, he should be able to improve somewhat. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like I don't feel like there's too much <clears throat> to be done with the lineup. I mean, maybe they need to figure out what they're going to do with catcher. I know they said that. You know, they have to talk about if Gary Sanchez is the starter for 2021. But other than that, it seems like the rest of the offense is going to be pretty set. I mean, they said they're going to move forward with Stanton as the DH, so which makes sense. I mean, you saw what he did when healthy, so you got to keep him healthy, whatever it takes. It sucks that that can't involve playing the field, but you got to have that bat in the lineup. So... Oh yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, and he 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 deserves uh, deserves an apology from me and a lot of Yankee fans <laughs> yeah. who got who got hard on him because he uh, he tried to carry this team across the uh, across the finish line in that series. It just the Yankees came up a little bit short, but he was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, and you know so, who else was fantastic? Hicks. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always been a big Hicks fan. So you have your center fielder. You obviously have your right fielder, left field. I'm I'm liking Frazier. Still can't believe he didn't get in that bat in an elimination game, but Mike Ford did. Um, <laughs> oh, so, God. God help us. So Frazier in in left, and then you we just talked about the infield, and then just figure out what you're doing at catcher. I mean, obviously the ideal situation is Gary Sanchez goes back to the player he was in 2016, 2017, and 2019. Not like he was in 2018 or this year. Those those prolonged slumps are just really befuddling. You do. You th- I don't think it's time to cut bait with Gary or anything. I think you give it one more year. But I think you go into next season saying it's an open competition between Higgy and, and Gary because, I mean, Higgy Higgy hit in the postseason. He's shown he's got some pop. I mean, I, I don't know. With regular work, does he become a better hitter or a worse hitter? Some guys get exposed. Some guys prove that once they get in the groove, they're better. I, I don't know. The Yankees have always liked him. Cole likes him. You know he's going to start at least once every five games. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I would say it's an open competition, honestly, because Gary hasn't earned a spot anymore. Um, but no, I don't think definitely not. I don't think he's earned a spot off the team, um, so to speak. You know, maybe he becomes like Mike Zunino, who's just a – 190 hitter that hits a bunch of homers i don't know but you could live with that if he plays a little bit better defense and um you know his defense did take a step forward this year had some trouble with chapman's new pitch but and by the way that home run that uh chapman gave up i thought gary made the right call after brosseau crushed that slider sanchez wanted to go back to it which i thought was the right move because now he's looking fastball yeah I agree. And, and and Sanchez made the right call. Chapman blew him off. And that, I thought that changed the whole at-bat. So Gary does deserve some credit for the games that he's called this year. I thought he's done a good job with that. I think that Gary does a good job calling games because, except for Cole, the pitchers seem to like throwing in Gary. I mean, Tanaka and him work, have worked great for years. And, um, you know, so I don't know. I'd go in with with an open competition. I, it bothers me to have such a right-handed heavy lineup. I know it doesn't bother you, 
Probably because you're a right-handed hitter, you're biased. No, it doesn't bother me because <laughs> the, the the righties the Yankees have hit both hit both righties and lefties. But um, Judge, I, Judge hit a home run in Game Five down the right field line. Like, what does it matter if he's a lefty or not? Well, I don't. But I mean, uh, Stanton is obviously better against left-handed pitching. I think that's that's pretty apparent. But yeah. anyway, it's. It's irrelevant. I I think the way the roster is constructed, I'm, you know, you're not going to get that. But I'd I'd like to, you know, like I was saying, I'd like to change things up in the infield. But I uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, no. Me what neither. about you? Think the Yankees bring Gardner back and do kind of a platoon thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think he uh, Gardner. What's what's dead man ever died? I know. I mean, and he had a great postseason. Yeah, so I think he, I think he earned. He probably earned himself another year down the stretch of the regular season and the and the postseason in the post. The post. Oh God. So so I honestly have not watched much uh, of the LCSs. I just needed a little bit of a a break. Takes me a little while to get over it sometimes. But, um, well, you better watch something because there's about to be like no sports. <laughs> I know. I'm already like looking at how the Dolphins could become competitive. That's a slippery slope, my friend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. I, there, there's a lot of work to do. There's nobody good in the in the bullpen. Uh, it, it relievers on the free agent market. I'm, I was looking. I don't see nobody. Um, so the Yan- Yankees have a lot of work to do, and maybe. Next week we get a little bit more into like exactly what our our plan would be for the team. Now that we've identified all the problems that they have, but um, I know that I think there's more problems all around. But I think we can both agree pitching is a huge one. Um, so maybe we could play GM next week or something like that. But um, overall, I thought the season was a disappointment. They were so inconsistent. It was really frustrating year to watch. Uh, more so than 2018 because of the backdrop of the pandemic, but um, got a nice series in Cleveland, got a couple of YouTubeable moments that will watch the Geo Grand Slam and everything, the LeMayhew single. Um, you know, Montgomery's start was huge in game four, so that was like a nice moment for him. We had a couple of nice things happen, but again, we're sitting here talking about how this end of the season was a disappointment, and honestly, we deserved it because we weren't we weren't the better team. We had we had to kind of sneak through, and and the Yankees haven't been able to do that. They I thought they snuck through when they beat the Indians in 2017, but other than that, they've lost to the teams they were supposed to lose to, and they've beaten the teams they were supposed to. And to the players on the team, that's a credit to them doing their job. But then the players on the race did their job. They were the better team. They should win. So that's kind of the way I feel about it. Yeah, same here. Definitely a disappointment. Not only were they not the best team on paper going into the playoffs, but they also decided not to make any moves that would make them the best team. So because of that, it's another year passes without a title and move another year closer to the championship window closing with this current group, which has been super fun to watch since 2017. And I obviously really want to see you know, this core of Judge and Torres and um, all those other guys win a World Series. But a lot of those guys become free agents in 2022. So they really need to finally push all their chips in and, and go for this thing and uh, and kind of not carry the same mentality that, you know, just win your division and get in the playoffs and then hope you guys get hot at the right time. You should give yourself 
the absolute best chance to win in the playoffs, which is by getting the best players. So I, I agree. It seemed, and I said it, the team reminds me a lot of the, the Rangers teams from like 2012 to 2015, 2017, that they'll, they're close, but they never, the Rangers did it out of their own stupidity. The Rangers were all in, in terms of salary cap every year, but they don't put the right team together to get over the hump. In this case, the Yankees don't spend enough to get over the hump when they have it available to them. And like you said, I think the Yankees are content. The Yankee ownership is content with putting together a team that will be close all of the time, but maybe not the favorite because they know if they're in the playoff hunt, Yankee Stadium is going to be full. They're going to be selling tickets. They're going to be getting their playoff rounds in. So I, I think that's the way that uh, the Steinbrenners want to approach this. And they have Cashman's buy-in on it that, yeah, we could put together a team that might win, but we won't put together a team that is the most likely to win. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a wrap on 2020. So like Sean said, next week we can start diving into what's ahead for what's going to be a really interesting off season in a number of ways, given you know, the pitching staff itself, Tanaka, LeMahieu, we'll see how it all shakes out, Gary Sanchez. So we'll be back next week to start looking ahead to the 2021 season. Who knows what the 90s. <laughs> Who knows what the hell it'll even look like in a lot of respects, what the Yankees team will look like, what baseball itself will look like, will there be fans, all that, I all that was, stuff. <laughs> I thought it was funny. So the Rangers, or the, they have like 10,000 fans in the Rangers ballpark for the NLCS, and they're all spaced out. And then I saw when Muncie hit the home run in game two, all the fans were and were like diving on each other yeah. to catch the ball. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think until we get a, a vaccine that I'll be going to the ballpark, but um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, you got to stay stay safe over there in New Jersey. I saw those pictures of those Rutgers uh, college parties the other day. It looks like a looks like a tailgate outside of Yankee Stadium. Well, I mean, I'm you know going to be 33 years old next week, so I don't think I'll be going to any college parties. <laughs> yeah, but those kids get all together at, at Rutgers, then they go out and grab something to eat at Charlie Brown's. But I don't go there anymore either. <laughs> I stay I stay in as much as I can. <laughs> I, I went out to eat once since this all started, and it was outdoors only. And I, I only did that because it was my nephew's birthday, and that's what he wanted to do. So, yeah, I'm staying inside. I'm staying away from people and uh, waiting for some for some bubble hockey or whatever to come back. But until then, it's going to be a, a long off season, probably a frustrating one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll follow along. We'll be back next week. We'll be sticking with it through the off season. Hopefully some moves to talk about. But until then, thanks to everyone for listening through another season, another really weird season, but ultimately one that ends in disappointment. And we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk to you next week. See you later, everybody.